Hello, everybody. It is Monday in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. My name is Adam Bittner, Assistant Sports Editor for Multimedia at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joined by Jason Mackey, our Pirates insider, to talk about his trip to the Dominican Republic and his exclusive interview with Pirates owner Bob Nutting. Uh, Jason, how are you? How was your how were your travels? Uh, very good. Very good. I enjoyed the trip, Adam. Um, I enjoyed the weather very much. I, I was seeing Pittsburgh getting pummeled by snow, but I was there in a island and sunshine and 80 degrees so that part of it is nice but now i'm freezing again back here and looking at florida for spring training yeah it's supposed to be 60 degrees this week so uh you know hopefully reminding you of the dominican republican baseball season a little bit um jason we're, i want to get into it i have sp- some specific questions to ask you before we do just want to thank our sponsor for this episode and every episode of our pirates podcast it's the north shore tavern um, brought to you as always by the North Shore Tavern. If you love baseball, you'll love the North Shore Tavern. The interior is wall-to-wall pirates. There are appetizers, entrees, cocktails, and of course, steak and seafood on a sizzling lava stone. Open every day, the North Shore Tavern across from PNC Park is Pittsburgh's home for steak on a stone. Um, Jason, first, I, I just want to give you a chance to, to react to your conversation with Bob Nutting. Um, you know, in this business, we 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 get moments like that where we have these these large conversations that no one else can be present for. And then we have to distill them down into, you know, written news holes that, you know, you and I could write forever, but our, our editor, Ryan Wynn is going to tell us to wrap it up at a certain point. So um, as the guy who did the interview and, and had the whole conversation, what, what were your takeaways before we get into, um, you know, my questions for you? I, I don't know what you're talking about, Adam. Ryan has never, ever told me that I write long or write too much. Adam, it's boring to me. No, I'm just kidding. But I, I, I enjoyed it. Um, I have a lot of different takeaways. I'm going to try to get this in some sort of coherent answer. Um, I thought there were different parts of the conversation. I'll leave the Dominican Republic stuff because that was part of it as well. Um, to, we're going to talk about that later. So I'm not ignoring it. I'm just sort of getting into the parts that have been written about on our website. Um, to me and, and why I broke it into these two parts, I thought it was two different conversation topics. Uh, one, I wanted to get Bob's take on uh, baseball's economics in this offseason and Shohei Otani and you know, does this renew a call for cap and a floor? And he, in the past, has said to me that he's very much in favor of a, a cap and a floor with a revamped revenue sharing system. Do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. But I think the discussion should be fresh. I think this offseason is, I mean, it's absolutely absurd. Like, it's it's absurd that the Dodgers can do what they, they're doing. It's absurd that the Pirates can operate the way they operate. And I think the two should be smushed together. Um, we got into a little bit of that, but Bob basically said they, they need a need for ongoing economic reform. Uh, one thing between the lines here that I can share here that it didn't represent or didn't go as well in, in writing it, and I, I, I said, Bob, I mean, I hear you what you're saying, but, like, do you think there's a reasonable expectation that anything can be changed with the next collective bargaining agreement? And he said, yes, I do. Um, so I, I don't share that belief. Um, that doesn't matter if I share that belief. Um, I hope that there's some, at least my personal opinion, I hope that Bob's right. I hope there is a chance that can change. Um, you know, and you can talk about, you know, the unfair economic system all you want. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I've seen a lot of negativity and I understand why the negativity is the way it is. And I mean, you can spend more on on your major league payroll and they haven't i think there's been a reason for it um it's not necessarily the unfair economic system in baseball um anyway in the name of wrapping this answer up in somewhat quick fashion i'll I'll pivot to the other part though um with what he said about ben charrington in the offseason i found that kind of interesting it was almost like he was 
prodding the GM. That's what it sounded like to me where he's saying like, we need to be willing to take risks. I want you know, I haven't been happy with how the off seasons unfolded. I've seen how hard Ben Charrington has worked, but I mean, my takeaway from talking to Bob about that part of it is one, the pirates aren't done Two, He wants to see more activity. Um, and three, they need to find a way to break through on some of these deals. I do know they were close. I do know they showed interest. And whether that is like paying more, offering more in terms of prospects, I don't know what. I mean, they maybe both. Uh, they do need to be more active, and it seems like that's what Nutting is expecting. Yeah, I do want to get into the economics, Jason, but I do want to start there because uh, those were my, where my first questions lied. Um, I guess I'll get into it with this. Do, do they understand that that no one wants to hear that they were close and that this has almost become a, <laughs> no. a meme? It's, no. become, it's become a meme within the fan base where you know people talk. They're, they're always in on the moves that they don't make, and you never actually you know hear them make some of these moves that people want to make. And, and you can count on one hand the number of times that they've actually kind of gone for it in that capacity. Um, is there an understanding in their room that that's how the fan base feels about these things? No, I don't think there is. Um, and and to a degree, I mean, I, I think they're going to they're gonna do them. And I'm not excusing it. I'm not saying it's good. Um, but I, I don't think they're aware that that irritates fans. Um, you know, that being said, like, I do understand that Bob was asked the question and he's answering the question. Uh, what, do you, what do you want him to say? And again, not a defense. I'm just saying that if you look at this and whatever. But, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any answer he can give, Adam, that's going to satisfy the fan base. Right. There's nothing he can say about the offseason, about what they haven't done that is going to matter more than just do something. Go do something. You're going to have to if you're in the bidding for Sean Maniah and it's the Mets and you, are you going to be able to pay the same price as the Mets? No, you're not. I mean, he's going to have a more competitive situation elsewhere. I'm just randomly picking Sean Maniah, but I'm saying like you're going to have to pay more. Um, I took heat for a thing I wrote in there about the, the starting mid-tier starting pitching market was objectively nuts, which I still think it was. I think guys got more money than they probably should have. I, I don't see – I was frankly surprised that Frankie Montas, Luis Severino, these other guys got what they got. I'm not saying that the Pirates should just avoid it. Like, I didn't, I, I didn't write that. I, I hope I didn't infer that. You at some point have to take greater risks because you're the pirates. If you want to take this step, you're going to have to assume additional risk. That could be in the form of giving up more prospects. That could be in the form of giving up more term on a deal. That could be in, in the form of just paying more than this guy would get another place because you want to bring him to Pittsburgh. So anyway, it's probably a long and rambling answer, but I mean, that's the way I would have attacked it. That was my my side of that answer, I guess. Yeah, no, I hear you, and I, I think you know I had, you're, you're leading into all the questions I had, which was um, I, I knew you took heat for the for the comment about the mid tier starting pitching, but isn't part Do of the problem? You think I'm crazy? You're plugged into this stuff. You can tell me I'm not. I'm not offended. Well, here let me ask let me ask the question this way because I, I look at Sean Manaya as listen. I play fantasy baseball, and Sean Manaya was an innings eater. You streamed at the end of the week to get to the innings minimum or to just pick up strikeouts. You know what I mean? He was not. He's not a difference maker, and and if you're gonna get outbid for these low tier starting pitchers, right? Then then when you get into the mid tier, it, isn't it just natural for some of that to creep in as well? And at a certain point, aren't you paying to not have the risk associated with going with a Sean Manaya or a Rich Hill or some of these more bargain basement guys? That yeah, you can have more affordably, but I feel like their range of outcomes is more than some of these guys in the mid tier, and that's why the mid tier guys are getting paid more. Sure. I understand that. I understand that. And 
and a part of me, Adam, is like, if you just say screw it to like the mid-tier market, I wouldn't even have a problem with that. But at the same time, you have three starting pitchers. That's not good enough. That's not going to work. Like if you don't want to pay $15 million for a, a mediocre to below average starting pitcher just because that's what it costs, I sort of get that. But like then you got to trade. Then you got to you know give up prospects to go get somebody. You have to give up a package to go get Edward Cabrera from the Marlins, which I'm also fine with that. Or you could avoid all of it and develop guys better. I mean, if you want to be really cheap and say, we're not going to spend money on pitching, okay, well then Quinn Priester better be good. Rwanda Contreras better be good. Luis Ortiz better be good. And, and to operate in that, I mean, it's a it's an un, unreasonable hit rate to expect all of these guys to pan out and then have all of them contributing your starting rotation. We all know that's not going to happen. So like, it, but like what they're doing is doing nothing. You can't, you can't do that and, and just say, well, we, we tried, we got close. That's good. Like, no. I, 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 people and, and people take me as like you know because I report it. Um, I don't know. I think that's okay. I, I just I feel like maybe that's a, a separate conversation for a separate day. But yeah, I mean they they need to do something, man. Well, if there's anything I've learned, Jason, it's that the, the the process of making journalism is not especially understood, and and that you know you're you're trying to express to people what that what the team believes, whether you believe it or not, and and that's an important service, and and like you know sometimes I just don't think certain people get that. And, and that's where sometimes you take the online abuse that, that often you don't deserve. But um, Jason, I, I wanted to ask specifically about the trade element because, um, you know, you talked a lot about that in the piece. You mentioned the Marlins, but then higher in the piece, he specifically cited the Chris Archer trade as something mm -hmm. that they can't repeat. And I wanted to ask you if, if that was more about the process or the outcome, because to me, that deal went south because Chris Archer was not good enough for what you gave up. And if they make those playoffs in 2018 and he pitches effectively for here for a couple more years, then no one's talking about, you know, giving up Tyler Glass now as a guy that they probably were not going to figure out. You know, no one's talking about Shane Boz. They're talking about, you know, what, what you got from Chris Archer. Where, where do you think Bob Nutting sees the problem in that deal as kind of an inflection point in recent Pirates history? Is it? I feel like it's a cop-out, but my answer is honestly both. Um, you know, and I don't even know if that's a fair expectation from Bob, but here's my interpretation of, of that and what irritated them about the Archer deal. Number one is not knowing what they had. Like, number one with that deal was their inability to figure out Tyler Glass, now Austin Meadows, and Shane Boss. Also very high up there is just including Shane Boss in that to the player to be named. Like, it's... It, 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 the scale is not even in terms of the version they were getting back with Archer and what they gave up to get it. I mean, that was bad from the start. Um, but I think what bothered Nutting is them not being able to get through to Glasnow, them not being able to get through to Meadows. So I would chalk that up to process. I would chalk that up to, you know, you should never be trading those guys in the first place because they should be fundamental building blocks of your team. I don't know if the Pirates are better with that stuff right now. Um you know, I worry based on some of the trades we've seen that Josh Bell for Will Crow and Eddie Yeen, um, Clay Holmes for Hoy Park and Diego Castillo. You know, there's there's still guys where you're not getting the best version of them and you're sending them out for return that the substandard that, that that's not good enough. And so I think, you know, that's part of it. But basically, this is my interpretation of what Bob's saying is like we need to not be afraid to take chances on that trade, but it better work. <laughs> you know, which is kind of hard. Um, but you, you say, like, we can't be scared off by things of the past, 
but we need to make this trade and it needs to work automatically. And I mean, it does. Um, and I think that if they're not going to pay market price for starting pitching, which we've seen they're not, then this is the only other available avenue to get starting pitching. And you're going to have to pay to get it. Yeah, Jason, I think the thing that in his public comments, there's he's called cheap, right? The, the fan base calls Bob Nutting cheap. To me, I think yeah. there's, there's more of a risk aversion, right? I, I think, you know, the way he talked about the Gregory Polanco deal is a disaster um, and, and something he didn't want to repeat. I mean, those are the types of moves you have to make, right? And, and some of them, some of those contracts are going to pan out and some of them aren't. Um, do you sense that it's more risk aversion than cheapness from him? I, I think it's both. I mean, I think that... Um, I think they're, they're averse to taking too much risk, both with personnel trades and money. Um, cause I mean, you could look at their, this is not, I, I feel like I have to preface so many things these days with this. This is not an endorsement of how the pirates pay major league players or what their payroll is disclaimer, but their payroll did go from what? 39 million to a hundred million over the course of, I think like 2011, 2012 to 2016, five-year period, something like that. Again, I'd like to see it higher. I'd like to see it quicker. But there was an incremental thing. Now, they blew it up. They went total rebuild, whether they say it or not. Payroll went way down. It has incrementally gone higher. Um, Is it as high as anybody would like? No. Is it as high as what it probably should be in this market? No. I think it's a lot of – have they – you know, made a big splashy move to really catch people's attention. One that carried with it a lot of risk. No. Um, and they probably need to do that stuff, but yeah. So, I mean, I, yeah, risk averse, aversion, cheap. Like I'm not sure they're, they're all that dissimilar. Um, I also think there's an element of this is how you sort of have to do this stuff. We have seen teams go scorched earth and start from nothing. And then they operate differently than the pirates have when you're talking about building it back up. So I still think we're seeing the process of build back up. Um, we're seeing some good, some bad. Um, you're seeing still, you know, what did they finish? 30, 35 and 32, something like that, whatever that fin- like. That, if, if, if that's real and they can sustain that and they can get young guys to pan out, like this might not all be terrible. Now, if they screw that up, if that was a mirage, then you're going to look at this and say, year five of a rebuild, what the heck are you doing? Um, so I, I understand both sides. But I and, and I understand fans that want to see them have a quicker, faster, and more economically robust build than they have so far, too. That's a fair criticism. Yeah, well, and I, I guess the impression I get sometimes is if you told Bob Nutting exactly what he was going to get for each contract that he signed and, and that there was no risk, would, would, would the payroll be $130, $140 million if, if the, the outcome right. was baked in? You know what I mean? And that's yep. where I wonder where the risk is. Is it necessarily that he doesn't want to spend or is it because he doesn't want to waste money? You know what I mean? Right. No, I, I, I think it's both, but I feel like if you say that it's because, you know, it sounds like you're defending his financial, how he's handled himself financially. And that's not, that's not a good place to be. Like I'm trying, I, I, to, I'm I'm trying to present I, both sides. I would say I'm not defending it. I would say I'm saying it, maybe this isn't the right business for him, Jason. I mean, this is sport. I, I, hey, you know what I mean? That's, that's where dude, I'm getting to is, is I listen, totally get it. If you're hesitant to make a bad investment in a starting pitcher for $20 million. Great. Maybe you're not supposed to be a sports owner. Dude, that's, I, you know, 
I agree. I agree with you. And look at across sports, man. Like, look at Josh Harris, the dude that just bought the Washington Commanders. Like, <laughs> you've got more money than you possibly know what to do with. And like, there are lots of rich people out there. If you're that worried about it, somebody else who's absurdly rich would buy the team. And I, I, I mean, frankly, I don't think we'd be looking at this as much of a small market as it is. Now, it, this this gets me into trouble a lot with the Pirates. Like, I. I see that side of it. And then there's also a side of it that this goes into the other story that I, I dealt with with Bob or another part of the conversation. Yeah, the, the economics in MLB also suck. They really do. Like whether whether you defend how the Pirates have conducted themselves or not, like it's – I well, sorry, I got that. I'm going to – I don't want to say that. I'll get myself into trouble again. But, I mean, like it's just a, a whacked-out economic system. And they're both true. Like, and I, I wish Bob took more risks. I wish the Pirates took more risks. I wish they, you know, had a little bit more of a gambler's mentality, an aggressive mentality, and that they, they, they seem to want to like have a practical reason for for these slow incremental things. Like this is man, this is pro sports. You gotta you gotta take a gamble. And if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to sort of conduct yourself like a crazy rich fan, you can you can get off the bike, and somebody else is probably going to hop on pretty quickly. Well, I think part of this conversation too, Jason, is like I don't think fans have an unreasonable expectation of what the Pirates are compared to the Dodgers. They don't have an unrealistic expectation of how that gap is going to close. Because to me, Jason, the 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 big labor battle was had right was with this most recent lockout. Um, I you know I, I've sensed a lot more peace since this deal has been than, than before it. I think that the the last CBA was something the players and owners were very at odds over, and I don't sense that same acrimony now. Um, but the, the, I think people are upset that the Pirates don't reach what they feel the Pirates' potential is. And it's not yeah. that it's not the Dodgers. It's that, you know, you know my, my number's probably 130, 140, right? In my mind, yeah. I think you could probably make an argument that, that you could flirt with 170, 180 based on uncertain revenues. But everyone's got their number that they'd be satisfied with the Pirates at. And they've never been there. Right. Um, yeah, and that's a fair criticism. And I'm not going to sit here and defend that or say that's crazy. And my argument with the economic system is like, I don't think the Dodgers should be allowed to spend what they do. And I don't think the Pirates should be allowed to spend what they do. I, I just think there should be barriers on both sides. And I don't think a lot of people disagree with that. I don't think that's like a hot take. And it's completely reasonable to expect the Pirates to spend the same thing as Milwaukee, Cincinnati, St. Louis, division opponents. Nobody's expecting them to be the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Cubs, the Dodgers. Um, I get all that, certainly. I think there's an element of being stupid here, too. Um, and that's the most crass, relatable way I can say it, where like the Pirates, again, like I said, went from 39 million to 100 million. Then they started doing a bunch of stuff that was really dumb. They started drafting poorly. They started developing poorly. They didn't get much out of international. And all of these important things that are sort of like the underbelly of a team in their situation just went away. Um, and then they made some bad trades and you saw payroll go down and they got, you know, they got to a point where I, I think they very much, shoot, I think Bob said this, they just lost their way and you know, I, I think he can be criticized for waiting as long as he did. I think they should have made some of the moves they've made sooner. But I do hope that they're going to incrementally grow this payroll sort of the same way. Um, I understand there's an element of what they're doing. They don't want to, you know, they talk a lot about like bands. They don't want to go too high. They don't want to go too low. They don't want to bottom out. They don't want to be stuck with this or that. But, you know, toward their ceiling, like as they can, there's certainly more room and they need to get there. And I think if they continue to do other things well, let's let's really, you know what, hope 
that they can get there because I think that's what people, I think that's what people are looking for, Adam. And I also think people are just looking for them to win. Like if in a world where they're good, if they're getting young players to produce and they're winning like 85 games with a bunch of young kids who are developed appropriately and like you go down to triple A and get the next one, I don't think fans would like freak out as much over payroll. Um, but I understand why. I understand why now because you're kind of doing neither one. Yeah, I, I listen. Then there's some players that are going to sign long-term extensions, and there's some that aren't. And, and I think I think fans get that as well. You know, I think Eric Cole probably falls in that category, right? He was never going to sign here. Um, but but just keeping the guys, and and this is I will give Bob Nutting credit for this. You've kept Q Brian Hayes, you've kept uh, Brian Reynolds. Um, but then you know that kind of gets into the same whole risk aversion conversation we just had. Of you know, I think Key Brian Hayes has a pretty high floor. I think you had a pretty proven commodity in Brian Reynolds. And is yeah. that the reason that those deals got done compared to, um, you know, maybe some more projectable guys? I don't know. Um, Jason, the, the question I want to ask you a couple specifically about some of the people you mentioned in, in your story, uh, your first story on Saturday in terms of who they might acquire. You mentioned the Marlins, um, Braxton Garrett, uh, Cabrera. Where would you place the likelihood that that deal happens in some form on a scale of one to 10, with 10 maybe being the most likely? Six or seven, maybe. You know, I think it's above 50%. I think they'd like it to happen. Uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for them. I think it makes a lot of sense for the Marlins, frankly. Um, I'm just curious. Like, if they've talked, and it would make a lot of sense for them to talk. I would be stunned if they didn't. Um, you know, who the Marlins would be asking for. And, and so, I mean, the Marlins can dangle some starting pitching. They can get some stuff back. Um, I think they could have markets for Braxton Garrett and Edward Cabrera. I think they do have markets for those guys. So I think this is, you know, based on hearing what, knowing what the Pirates need, um, seeing some activity throughout the offseason, hearing what Bob said about taking risks or whatever. I mean, this is kind of where I'm at. That's another thing that leads me to the Cabrera thing. Um, you got to give to get, right? And I think there's there's probably a reticence to give to get. Uh, maybe they're looking at, I'm just, you know, making this up a little bit or not making it up, but you know, um, you probably have to give up more than you're comfortable giving up. And in the past, I don't think the pirates were very comfortable doing that. I think there's also a, a look at their starting rotation saying like, man, we need, we need this. We need the guys that help the team now and in the future. So to me, uh, that outcome is probably more likely than them making any sort of splash on the free agent market at some point. I do think they could possibly hit both. Um, I mentioned in there some of the free agent sort of guys that come with baggage. They might be able to get them at a discount, that sort of thing. That wouldn't surprise me either. Um, but yeah, that's it's what I've been saying. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to trade and you're gonna have to give to get if you're gonna really, really improve your starting rotation. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about the free agents too, uh, Jason. You mentioned Trevor Bauer specifically. I know we did a whole podcast on that. Uh, was there a question asked to him of whether that is something that the Pirates, you know, in the abstract, maybe not specifically, yeah, would they consider bringing in players that do have that type of baggage? Um, is is the PR hit that they would take worth it in their mind? Was there any kind of conversation about that? I didn't ask Bob about that because I, well, I mean, frankly, I didn't want to waste the question and I have enough background knowledge on where they stand with things that I feel like I needed to, to waste the question or not use the question. Um, here's where I think they stand on this from being around the team. I think they would be open to somebody with that 
who deserves a second chance. Um, but I think there's still things that they need to consider within that. And I guess what I mean, if I try to, you know, you, you might not like a specific guy, but another guy through conversations with him, maybe learning about what he's done off the field wise changes he's made, how he feels about his situation. You might feel a little bit more inclined to take him. So it's not a blanket. No, but I've gotten no indication from the pirates being around them that Trevor Bauer is an option. Um, and I don't think that was going to change if I asked Bob about it directly. I'm sure he probably would have danced around and given me a very generic answer with it. Um, I wrote to Miko Herman because I think it's a little bit of a different situation. You're still taking on some of that risk that something may happen. Um, I think I'm, I'm not defending this. I would not personally, I'd, I'd not like this move. Like I'd rather see them go get Edward Cabrera and, and sign somebody else. But if you do bring on Herman, I think what they'd probably be looking at is this is somebody who battled demons, is battling demons. Like he, I, an alcoholic has gone to rehab, is going to rehab. I don't know the exact status of it, but, you know, reading about it and my knowledge of it is that like teammates generally respected the guy, generally liked the guy, just like, dude, you got a problem. Like you need, need to go get help. And if he's, going to get help and, and healthy and the pirates are convinced of that, then I think that might lead to something. Whereas like Trevor Bauer, regardless of what we think about his, um, you know, incident and, and, and charges and accusations and what was dropped and this, that, and the other, like, I think it's just a certain way and wants to be a certain way. And I'm not necessarily sure that meshes with how the pirates want guys to be, whether that's right or wrong. It's just sort of my, my read on where they stand with those two guys specifically. Yeah, that's 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 as good of an answer I, I think anyone can give. I just wanted to give you a chance to to kind of flesh that out a little bit more because again, we don't get to kind of get into details in that sometimes in yeah. writing. Um, Jason, I want to get into the original purpose of your trip. Um, you know, checking out things in the Dominican Republic um, and, and your impressions. So, also, I have one follow up question, but I will start there. Can you just give us an overview of of what your impressions were of your trip? Yeah, so I've never been to the DR. Um, this is my first time. I've always heard from baseball people around the around MLB, like, you got to go. You got to go. It's such a great experience. I now know why they say that. Um, it gave me such an additional appreciation, not only on the baseball side, it's on the life side, man. Like, uh, seeing, you know, there, you, you see some crap down there. I don't think there's any way around it. Um, you know, it's a good life check for things that we think are problems here. They're not. Um you know, things that to take just little tiny things that we have in our lives for granted to, to realize how lucky we all are. Um, secondarily, it was a very informative trip for me to understand a little bit more about where Latin American guys come from, how much this means to them. Uh, it was striking being there. The first thing we did, we went to this, um, the signing day ceremony where all these guys officially come to the Pirates Complex and bring the families and all this stuff. It's very loud and festive and fun and um just what a transformation it is for these guys like regardless of of whether they ever make it to major league baseball they're traveling a path and a lot of them getting money that is so life-changing for their family regardless of what happens they have a chance to get an education which i'm also going to be writing about later this week just all of all of the dominican program that the pirates operate and frankly as mad as anybody wants to be about the major league team and i understand it um, I'm not, again, not defending that part of it, but it's a really important, neat component, something I think the Pirates do care about, something they do well. 
Um, it has major life implications too. You know, the second day we saw this uh, graduation ceremony from the high school that the pirates run out of their Dominican facility. I talked to one kid who spoke there and, and was asking him, you know, does anybody in your family have anything close to this sort of level of education? He goes, absolutely not. And, and he's like, I hope this is something that like my, my family and my brothers can see and say that you can do this. And I'm like, man, that's not a, that's not a baseball take. That's just like a, being happy for kids succeeding and getting opportunities. But anyway, it's an important way of getting talent. The Pirates haven't gotten enough talent that way. It was an eye-opening trip for me to see all that they put into this and the care they take and, and what they put into developing players. Uh, we'll have a big story about that later in the week, but it was uh, just a very eye-opening trip for me. Jason, I wanted to ask you specifically about kind of the scale of things down there, because one of my big frustrations in the – I read the Pirates Fest coverage that you did that was great, but uh, Travis Williams likes to say, well, we put all the money back in the team, and it's not necessarily in play role, payroll. It's A lot of it's in development, and there's just so few tangible ways for them to show the scale of that. And it, to me, it's almost sometimes like they treat it like a black box, right, where we know that the revenue's there – but we don't see it go into the payroll and they just say development as this like catch all phrase. Yep. Um, I think this is one of the few ways that they can show their work a little bit. Can you talk to me about the scale and, and whether it backs up to you what, what they say about, you know, the investment that they make in player development? Yeah. Now I'm going to say some things and this is not going to be an excuse of the major league payroll once again. Um, but I will relay what was told to me and the conversations I had and what, what I saw. Um, I talked to the guy who designed the Pirates facility, uh, the architect of this. The, you know, They bought the land in 2007, I believe, constructed it in 8 and 9, whatever. Um, but the guy who designed all of this stuff, and he said, man, every year they're doing something. Every year here there's some sort of like, you know, addition. Um, they just built a separate building that houses like classrooms, weight room, um, that is supposed to be the biggest of any Dominican uh, facility, like a, an upstairs area that coaches can live. That's supposed to be more of like a, a living space and we can attract better coaches. Um, again, not defending the conduct with the major league payroll, but like this is a premium top flight facility that I do think there was probably some motivation for the pirates showing this thing off. And I agree with you on the black box and you talk about development and people are like, the heck development i don't understand uh but the pirates do go to great lengths to scout these kids to bring them in to treat them well once they're here to educate them to uh, hopefully you know the, develop them baseball wise um you know i was touring rooms that included hawkeye trackman technology screens uh you know all this this stuff to like dig into analytics and how these kids move and we're talking about 16 year old kids to try to get them and develop them and, and get more out of this market i don't think they're happy with the amount of Latin American talent they've gotten. Um, the Pirates are known throughout the industry of somebody ha that has a lot of investment in, in scouting and analytics and research and development, coaching and player development, all this stuff. Um, they do. They spend a lot. Now, are they getting enough out of it? You could make that case that they're not. Um, but it like from somebody who has heard them say a lot how much they spend on player development and in the Dominican, at least on, with my two eyes and I'm not an accountant and I'm not an expert on what things cost, but like they, it, it, it looked to me from talking to people that was backed up. Like they do care about this facility. They do something that is very top notch in terms of the facilities there, 
better than other facilities. This is not just my opinion. This is from talking to other people with other organizations too. Like the Pirates have a very good reputation in this space. Is that enough to succeed at the major league level consistently? No, um, but it is something that they do genuinely care about. Yeah, I think that's important to talk about, Jason, just for those reasons that I meant. We don't get to see it, right? And and this was a chance for someone you know, from Pittsburgh to go see it. And, and that's why it's very interesting to hear your thoughts for me, um, you know, because I, I'm disinclined to giving much benefit of the doubt when, when you can't put things in front of me. So this, that's why I think this is so important. Yeah. And it was, again, it, it's just a tough dynamic and like, it doesn't excuse everything. It's not like, Oh, well they care about the Dominican academies so everything else is good. Like not saying that at all. They still need to spend on major league players and get major league talent. But I mean, if the Pirates are going to be any good for any sustainable amount of time, they have to be good in the space. They have to be good getting international players. Like They have to be better than they were getting Polanco and Marte. I mean, they have to be much better. Um, and I, like If you look at their top 30, they've got guys um, on the international market that, that should turn into something fairly soon, unless those rankings and, and the reputation of them are completely wrong. Um, but you know, they need to draft well, they need to make good trades. They need to scout and develop. They need to do all the stuff that we talk about all the time. But, you know, and, and that was part of the conversation too. It's something I talked about with Bob Nutting about, you know, it's, it's not optional to be good here, you know, and that, that matters to him. He was talking about just like, what a, an expansive pool of talent is, is down here. And like, we need to do a great job all the time at finding that talent and then funneling it up to the major leagues. And I, I would argue again that one, one of the reasons the Pirates came out of their playoff years and then went in the tank for, for several and really didn't do much, they didn't get much international. I mean, you could say you got Polanco and Marte, and I think kind of fits and starts, and they were good and they weren't. Um, it's not so much an indictment of those guys. It's just like it needs to be way more than just those two. Yeah, and I like I think it's a, I guess what I'm trying to say, Jason, is it's a credibility thing. And when the, when the pirates say these things at Pirates Fest, is there any reason for people to believe them? And I, I think that's that's why you're doing good work to to kind of yeah. you know give people a reason to say this is what they're doing with what they say, and that it's not just words. Um, Jason, any final thoughts on you know where we go from here? Just getting down to it here before you go go down to spring training. I know. I mean, got to move. You got got to got to move. Got to do something. Um, I don't think, you know, I know I've been saying this, I'm probably a broken record, but like they don't have enough pitching. Um, they need to, they need to get at least one more, probably prefer to just to be sure. Um, I'm, I'm okay with it's a trade. Um, it's been a weird off season to cover that. Like, you know, they've kind of been, been close. I'm actually reasonably okay with the lineup at them, uh, at least for what they are. Um, I'm just not okay with the pitching. Um, but yeah, I just I I feel like their offseason is incomplete. And you know, on the other side, like there is time. And I think we sort of lose that sometimes in the eagerness to see them do something and, and the quick rush to like have an opinion. But I mean, it is January 22nd. Even if the pirates would make a move, you know, in I, I I don't know, let's say March 5th. Like, all right, that feels like forever from now, but like that would still be fine. It would still be fine for opening day, I would I would largely think. And I I hope they strike earlier. I mean, I hope they strike this week. That would that would make all of our lives a lot easier. Um, but yeah, they need they need to do things for sure. Yeah, and I think that's part partly an industry thing, Jason, is that it, it feels like it, the way things used to be is you got a lot of these deals done at the winter meetings and right around the start of free agency, and that's the way a lot of sports do it, right? 
and, and baseball for whatever reason has got really gotten away from that. And, and these off seasons really do take a while to develop. And I think that's probably a bad net, bad thing for baseball. I think, I agree. you know, look at the NBA and how the, the frenzy that, that free agency creates. I think the NFL is that's true to a lesser degree. Um, but baseball's really gotten away from those, you know, that week of week long bonanza of moves and, and things to digest and lots to talk about. Um, you know, I, I think, yeah, I, I agree with you. We could be at the end of this offseason. All this time that we've spent, you know, talking about, are they going to make another move? It could all end up meaning nothing, but that's just the way baseball is these days. And I think that's regrettable. And it's not just a Pirates problem. I think it's a baseball problem. Yeah. I mean, I look at some of the top pitching prospects, right? Like Snell, Montgomery, like they're, they're still out there. They're still out there. I'm not excusing it, but like the Pirates, if they make, you know, if they, I'm going to make this up, but if they, Edward Cabrera and sign Noah Syndergaard and they show up on February 14th for the first day of pitchers and catchers and like those two guys are in their starting rotation and they're joining Marco Gonzalez, Mitch Keller, um, Martin Perez and you know maybe a young guy maybe maybe they start with six I don't know but like would you feel horribly about that rotation? No, no not. I think, I think people would want to hear that and see that. Yeah, yeah, I, and I, I think it's just a matter of you'd rather have it resolved at the winter meetings so you could spend yeah, all winter sure. getting excited. and then as, <laughs> You would be both, man. I, I'd rather get it resolved and have a little little January free, but that's not reality. So, yeah, well. Yeah, unfortunate. Well, Jason, thank you so much for this conversation today. I think it, it was eye-opening in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, sorry you took some abuse, but but I think it goes with the territory when the Pirates are not making these these moves and, and, and people kind of take us as – you know, just, just telling the facts that, that telling the facts almost comes off as defense and, and it's an unfortunate position to be in. It's all right. It's all good, man. I, I'm the lucky, I have the best job in the world. I'm beyond blessed for what we have. I'm not, not worried about it. And I enjoyed this conversation too. It's just therapy. I knew it would be. Thanks a lot, Jason. We will uh, talk to you again soon. A lot more Steelers talk this week. So make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you like uh, this video, help us out in the YouTube algorithm. And we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.